Okay. This is short, short Tvartaira. Something that's, I think, very special. Yehuda approaches Yosef Atzadik, not knowing that Yosef is Yosef. And he's making a plea for Binyamin's life. He says, We have an old father. And he has a young child. It's a child of his old age. The Achiv Mace. And our brother is there. And Rashi already picks up on the fact that this is a Sheker. And that up until now, up until now the brothers have avoided saying that Yosef HaTzadik is dead. But here, Yehuda says straight out, V'achiv meis, that Yosef HaTzadik is, is dead. And he's saying that, of course, to Yosef HaTzadik. So it's, it's one thing to lie. It's another thing to lie to the person... <coughs> Rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. It happened once many years ago. I don't know if you know this, but there was a Rav in Mansi whose name was Mordechai Berg. And he passed away, and there was Pashkavilim all over Eretz Yisrael that said Rav Mordechai Berg has passed away. And many people took pictures of it and, and sent it to me and legitimately asked me, are you okay? <laughs> so I was very confused by it because how does that work? Like if I... <laughs> Like, if I am dead, what do you expect to come back? <laughs> and, and if I am dead and somebody responds, it's pretty, like, inappropriate. But okay, people sent it. So Rashi picks up on the fact that it's a, that it's a lie, and Rashi says, <laughs> He was afraid, so he lied. If he'll say that the brother's alive, Then he'll say, bring this brother to me. So in order... To avoid the ramifications of saying we have a brother who's not here, and then Yosef is going to say, "So bring the brother to me." So he just avoids the entire issue altogether. It's a very pragmatic way of dealing with it. It's a very beautiful Rashi. I'd, I'd like to offer uh, a different shot, maybe a little bit more Alpi Drush. Rashi always gives the simplest shot. I'll give a little bit of a different shot. You'll notice in the pasuk. That Yehuda says, Yeshlanu Avzakin, we have an elderly father, Vyeled Zakunim Katan. And he has a, a child who's who's younger, Yeled Zakunim. But when it refers to Yosef Atzadik, it doesn't refer to him as the son of Yaakov Avinu, but as our brother, the Achiv Mes. How do we survive? That's not a small question. Survival is not a simple thing. You know, when we think about survival back in the day, when we were tribal, when we lived more in small communities, so for a person to leave the community, for a person to leave the tribe, for a person to leave that shtetl, it was very dangerous, literally, very, very dangerous, physically dangerous to leave. And for us today, in a different type of way, it's very dangerous. We'll speak about that in a moment. Yosef HaTzadik is sold down to Mitzrayim, and the brothers come through different gates. And we know that Yosef HaTzadik accuses them of being spies, because otherwise, why are you coming through all these different gates? So it seems then that the brothers, at least on some level, for whatever reason, they were searching for Yosef HaTzadik. When they came to Mitzrayim, they said, Yosef HaTzadik has been missing for so many years, so let's find him. 
And perhaps we could say as follows. Up until this moment, Yehuda held that hope that Yosef HaTzadik was alive. That he'd be able to go find his brother. They'd be looking somewhere in the streets and they'd see some vagabond, some beggar on the side of the streets and they would say, Yosef, it's us. And they'd bring him back. And so the entire time that the brothers were hemming and hawing, where is Yosef HaTzadik? It wasn't because they were lying, it's because they were hopeful. But Yehuda understands a very basic truth. That if I'm going to convince the viceroy of Egypt to let Binyamin go, I'm going to have to speak the truth. Because we know that that the words that we say from a deep place of honesty, they seem to resonate more deeply with the people that we're speaking with. There's always that dynamic, charismatic speaker, and, and it's very beautiful and it's very exciting, but it doesn't always penetrate us in the deepest way. And then there are certain tzaddikim, when they speak, they're not necessarily the most dynamic rebbeim, they're not necessarily the most charismatic, but they're exceptionally real. And because they're exceptionally real, it seems to make a hole in our hearts and it borrows its way in very deeply. And somehow, in some way, they're able to reach us in a way that the charismatic speaker is not. And a person could walk away from one of these charismatic speakers with a nice idea, it was great, it was entertaining... But when someone real gets up to speak and they say something that comes from deep inside of them, it touches the other person in a very deep way because real is very attractive. The self only responds to it, the presence of another self. That's, that's no small thing because there's a great vulnerability in showing up as self. Marshall in dating. In dating, that beginning, that beginning date, that first date is very uncomfortable. It's very awkward. Why is it so awkward? Because I don't want to show you who I am. Because if I show you who I am, I could be rejected. And so the self does not naturally show up on a date. The problem, of course, with that is that it's not attractive to meet someone who's not in self. In fact, it's the opposite of attractive. That's why sometimes a person, specifically, you know, the girls say this all the time, a guy in theory could be very good looking until he opens up his mouth. You have that guy, you know, you have like that macho guy who like shows up, like, he's like talking to his friends like, yeah, bro, what's going on? Like, it's like, it's not a, it's not a move, you know, it's like, start speaking in that way, nobody's attracted to that, it's not, it's not comfortable, it's not safe because it's not real. Masha'inkin, when someone shows up in, in self, and they show up, this is me, he named me. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a nuclear reactor of love and connection when we do that. So Yehuda understood that if I'm going to make an impact over here on Yosef HaTzadik, then I need to drop all pretenses. There can be no more parts. There just has to be self. No more protection. Just being very real in this moment. And perhaps we can suggest that in this moment where Yehuda strips away all of the, all of the fears and all of the fakeness and just is showing up real in that moment, so he says to Yosef HaTzadik, our brother is dead. And maybe, it, maybe in a certain way, it's the first time that Yehuda ever really considered this possibility. Maybe up until now, every time they said, our brother's not with us, it was with the hopes that we're going to find him. But in this moment, he lays his soul bare, and it's the death of hope. Our brother is dead. And he's not Yaakov's son in this case. He's not Benyamin. He's not this elderly child. It's, it's, this was our brother. 
And because of our actions, he's dead. And it's, it's even more profound when you think about it, because there's something that we have to grapple with. How do we survive? This whole test that Yehuda had, that we're not going to kill Yosef HaTzadik, we're not going to put him in the bar and allow him to be eaten by Nechashim and Akravim. Let's send him down. We'll send him down to Mitzrayim. If Yosef HaTzadik believes that he can find HaKadosh Baruch Hu anywhere in the world, if he's not going to be a shepherd, if he's going to find God in math and science, which is what he was dreaming about, he was dreaming about economy and he was dreaming about science, astronomy. So good, so we'll send him down, we'll send him down. Yeah, you have a big theory, you have a big hashkafa, you want to test it out, see how it's going to go, good. We'll send you down to Mitzrayim. But now Yehuda has to come to grapple with a basic reality. Maybe it was a good idea to test this experiment. We believe in being shepherds or moved from the world. You believe in being in the world. Fine. But how does someone survive without a brother? How do we survive without family? And so in this moment, Yehuda says to Yosef, not knowing that he's Yosef, Achiv Mes. He takes responsibility. He died. And in a certain way, it's because we were his brothers and we let him down. All of the times. All of the times that Yosef Sadik was crying out to us for help. All the time that he was running and saying, Dibasam run, he was giving all the reports to Yaakov Avinu. And the times where he was sharing us with his, his dreams. All of those times we let him down as a brother. Why was Yosef Sadik sharing those dreams with them? I'm your brother, like we're all in this together, we're a family. Achiv Mes, our brother died. I want to share with you what it's like to be in Eretz Yisrael right now. So the events of Simchas Torah were, were beyond brutal. But I'm not talking now about the actual attacks themselves. I'm talking about what it feels like to live in Israel at this moment. This summer, I, uh, I was working for NCSY, and I was speaking in a, in a hotel that's like basically five minutes away from Beit Meir. You guys know where Beit Meir is? Some of you went on NCSY Kola, where Yerushalayim is. So from my house on a Friday to five minutes past Beit Meir is what? It's a 20-minute drive, a 25-minute drive with traffic. It took us an hour and 25 minutes to get there on an Arab Shabbos. Why? Because there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that marched from Tel Aviv to Yerushalayim to protest the democratic reform. And they were marching with their Israeli flags and they were giving out waters and ice creams and watermelons on the side of the highway. And since we were stuck in traffic anyway, my kids were like, Abba, do you think we could get some watermelon? And I said, no. <laughs> Just my luck. It would have been at that moment that the traffic broke. the country was tearing itself apart. I don't know if you guys heard about it in America as like something you read about you know, on CNN, but I'm telling you, I've never seen the country so fractured. And there was a real Havamina. People were talking about civil war. And those that were on the side of you know, anti-democratic reform, there was even a Sprach, we're no longer going to serve in the army. We're not interested in serving in Sahel anymore. We don't want to serve this country. It was a real conversation that was happening in the country. In the summer, there were Haredim, Chilonim, Mizrachnikim, people who were Datilumi. This summer, every single type of Jew existed in Eretz Yisrael. Sephardi, Ashkenazi, everybody had their own camps. 
after Simchas Taira, there are no more Charedim, there are no more Chilonim, there are no more Datilumi, no more Mizrahi. There are no Sfardim, there are no Ashkenazim. I have never seen anything like this before in my life. It is the most beautiful time in the most tragic time. It is the most beautiful time that I have ever spent in Eretz Yisrael. In 16 years, I have never been more comfortable to live in Eretz Yisrael. It's unbelievable. The stories that you read about online, and I'm sure you've seen the stories of the guy who had a restaurant in Tel Aviv that wasn't kosher, that kashered his restaurant so that he could serve people and make sure that he could serve all Jews. Aroma, you guys know the cafe Aroma? Aroma closed down. The, the one in Beit Shemesh is making 10,000 sandwiches a day. 10,000 sandwiches a day. My parents, who are retired, who live in Eretz Yisrael, all day long, they're sitting and making sandwiches. My mother, this is like, my mother's like a Jewish, like a really Jewish mother. You know what I'm saying? Like, she just loves to make eggs, like in general. You know what I'm saying? Like the type of mother you walk in the house because you want an egg? Like, no, I want a steak, but like, you're not doing that, right? My mother is sitting there on the griddle just making eggs all day. Most unbelievable thing. The country shut down. There's no division. There's no period. You go to a base, who's flipping burgers for the Chayalim? It's everybody. All the people that identify as Haredim and Chilonim and Datilumi and Mizrahi and Sfardi and Ashkenazi, everybody flips burgers equally. Everybody raises money equally. Everybody is doing whatever they can. It's the most incredible thing. You know, you know, like, you guys remember, there's like a lot of anger in Eretz Yisrael. You know, like, you like speak to a taxi driver, and like you did nothing wrong, and he's just very angry at you, and you have no idea why. It's the craziest thing. There's no more anger. The entire country, there's no more anger. Nobody's upset at each other. Everyone's just like, like, I can't tell you what it was like when, when the call came out in the beginning of the war, that the Chayalim wanted tzitzis. It's okay. Every yeshiva was making tzitzis. I don't know if you guys saw the picture. There was a picture of Rav Isaacson mm-hmm. just sitting in base Medrash, making tzitzis. It's the most classic Rav Isaacson moment of all time. It's like somebody put on the WhatsApp group, like, we need tzitzis. So Rav Isaacson, I guess we need tzitzis now. I'm like, no, there's a yeshiva to run. You know, he's like, that's, that's your job. You know, like, uh, uh, I'm, making, I'm making tzitzis. It's the most beautiful time to live in Eretz Yisrael. Because we, we, finally, we finally got it into our thick skulls. You know, we're slow learners, the Jewish people. And we keep forgetting that we're brothers. That's why we need the cousins to remind us that we're the brothers. And it's a beautiful thing. The most special time I've ever been living in Eretz Yisrael in my life. It's just everybody loves everybody. I'll share with you a very beautiful story. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Rav Isaacson and I, we have daughters that are like best friends. Rav Isaacson's twins and one of my daughters are like best friends. So one of the girls from the group comes from a Haredi family. So there was a husband who went off to war and a wife who had two, uh, two very young children and she felt very overwhelmed and she felt like I couldn't, she couldn't take care of her kids. So she moved into Ramapei Chemesh, into this person's house, Haredi, Haredi person's house. Now this person doesn't have like, uh, this is not like Los Angeles where they have back houses that you could stay. This isn't like somebody had like a little mini apartment. They stayed in the house. Mamish in the house. And so the mother was doing laundry for, the, for these kids and for this mother. And, uh, and they were eating all their meals at the same dining room. Everybody was together. So after two weeks, this, this mother who's not from, she comes to this Haredi mother who's significantly older than her. 
And she says, can I borrow a skirt? So this Haredi mother, she looks at her, she goes, what for? She said, well, I feel uncomfortable. We're living in your house, and you're Haredim, and I'm not dressed sneezely. And this Haredi mother looked at her, and she said, absolutely not, I'm not giving you a skirt. This is your home, you do whatever you feel comfortable with. And the woman started crying. This is a mother who's, a woman who's been eating meals in this person's house. She doesn't know them, they're strangers. Eating meals in their house having her laundry done for her, having her kids taken care of. She said to her, Not once in my life have I ever heard of Haredim like you. My entire life I grew up hearing the Haredim hate you. I never in my life saw anything like this. And I want you to know on my block, six families from down south moved in. Six families, they took over homes that were empty. The entire country, if you had a vacation rental, Yushalayim, you can't find an apartment. You can't get a hotel room. They're full, full of refugees. And not just the ones from down south, the ones from up north also. So many families from up north, that's where Avichai is. Avichai is literally on the border. Today, again, he's one step back. But in the beginning of the war, Avichai, day one, was mamish on the border. When he got home after a month, he got his first leave. I asked him, how far are you from the border? So we were upstairs in the office. So he said, about from here to the mall, pointing to the mall. Nobody said, that's very close. That's closer than from here to the Opal. That's very close. It's, it's real. It's real. All those families had nowhere to go. Where'd they go? Strangers opened up their homes and said, take my homes. Take my home. It's not like, by the way, they couldn't make Parnassah. There's plenty of Jews coming to Eretz Israel to visit. These people for sure could rent out their homes. I'm not renting out my home. Nobody charged anybody. Nobody charged anybody. How did these people get groceries? What did they have? You know what happened? Everyone in the neighborhood went out and brought groceries for everybody. Hanukkah was coming up. So you know, what the, you know what they did? They raised money that every single kid from a refugee family should get toys for Hanukkah. There was a warehouse full of toys that they sold all their toys at cost. They said, just raise the money, we'll give you the toys at cost. Every kid got toys. My mother announced to our family, she said, this year I'm only giving toys to like the little, little kids, and I'm not giving to any of the bigger kids because we're going to donate all the money for toys. So my brother said, well, my kids are refugees too. And it was like, oh. <laughs> okay, it was me. I said that. But, the, uh, <laughs> but my brother said it too. It's the most beautiful time. Achiv Mace. We did a terrible job. Oh, did we do a terrible job, guys. We forgot the most basic principle in all of Yiddishkeit. We're brothers. Every single Jew is a brother with every single other Jew. And we found ways, because we're so smart, we found ways to create communities upon communities upon communities. This one is not like me, and that one is not like me, and I don't believe in this one's Tyra, and I don't believe in that one's Tyra. And did we figure out ways to keep each other separate? We did an amazing, horrific job. And every once in a while, HaKadosh Baruch Hu reminds us, and this time it was the biggest patch of my lifetime. Much bigger, much bigger than anything I've ever seen. You guys are brothers. Yeah, we, we like say it. It's like a cute thing that rabbis say in a shir. Like, gotta have achdus. Achdus has become, you know what achdus is? Achdus is a cudgel. Achdus is an attack word. It's what people say when somebody does something that they don't like. They go, achdus, achdus. They throw it out there as if like saying achdus in an angry way is going to create more achdus. Achdus is not a joke. Achdus is the natural condition of the Jewish soul. If you're a Yid, 
then you believe deeply in Achtas. You believe my brother is me and I am my brother. We say in Yechidah, in the highest point of the Jewish soul, every single Jew is connected. That's not a joke. The Beis HaMikdash is destroyed because we lose each other, and the Beis HaMikdash is rebuilt because we find each other. The most powerful Musar I ever heard in my entire life was from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. The Rebbe wrote that uh, Golis began when Yosef HaTzadik was sitting in a pit and Ruvin was doing tshuva for an Aveira that he had done 20 years prior. Our brothers and sisters are in pits, Rabbi Isai. There are people that are suffering. We're so from. Ah, somebody else will take care of it. That's not my brother. Somebody else will take care of it. If we don't treat each other like brothers, the Rabbi Shalom is going to push us to make sure we treat each other like brothers. So there's a certain point where the brothers, yeah, Yosef Atzadik, he's probably alive somewhere. No, at the end, when, when Yehuda gets honest, he says, not knowing that he's Yosef Atzadik, Achiv Meis, how could he have survived without us? How could Yosef Atzadik have walked the streets of Mitzrayim for 22 years and been Matzliach? Who would have taken care of him? When he was walking down the streets, who, who's going to take him in? Some, some, uh, some government program is going to take him in? There's no government program. There's family. That's all there is at the end of the day. There's family. That's who takes you in. One of the, one of the Mavasar alumni, is a, uh, he's a social worker now, and he told me his dream is to start uh, social programs for Gaia. So I, I said, like, I'm, I'm, it's fine, but like, I'm just curious. Like, why are you doing that? He goes, because we have them all already. That's an unbelievable thing to think about. If your car breaks down, if your car breaks down, we have an organization for you. You call Yudidim or Cheka. But the, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if your car breaks down, if you have a special needs child, if you get sick, if you don't have food for Shabbos, if, if you get a cut, you call Atzala. Seriously, what do we not have? We're, we're, we've created unbelievable institutions of Achtas, but as a people, do we really feel Achtas? If the only time you experience Achtas is when you're walking in the in the airport in San Diego, and you see somebody else with the yarmulke, this just happened, yeah, and you do this move, you do this, you go. <laughs> just that, like, slight Jew nod, like, that, that's our, you know, like. The anti-Semitism is real. It's very real. And it's a big bracha. It's a very big bracha. Because we're going to wake up to the fact that they're making Havdalah because we didn't make Kiddush. They're pushing us together. They're pushing us together. And it'll stop when we finally stay together. And that's not, a, that's not like an inspirational thing to say. It's, a, it's, a, it's the truth of reality. And our, our choice in life is either to align ourselves with reality as it is or to have reality push us back into reality. Those are the two choices. So reality's happening... And a lot of people in life, reality is happening, and they close their eyes, and they, and they plug their ears, and they go, no, no, I'm going to go against reality. But it always catches up to you, because you can't bend reality. At some point, reality pushes you back. So this is what's happening. We chose for so many years to bend reality, to push each other away. So now reality pushed us back together. This is a very big avoida. And, and I want to share with you guys something. You guys think that it, you know, like you're in America, so you don't know, like... Like, what does it really mean to stay connected? I want to share with you something. I'm sharing this with you guys as friends. Our Rosh Hashiva, you know, he doesn't, like, show emotion, like, loudly or, or viscerally or in a way that you could see it. But I'm telling you, it's there. Yeah? Since Zechariah re-signed up for Miluim, 
his son Zechariah. And since Zechariah has four children under the age of five, and he's doing real things, real things, Zechariah. His mom is like, can't say out loud what he's doing, but his gun is quite large. In fact, Rav Isaacson said, he said, you know, Rabbi Saffer, the story you tell about like being held at gunpoint, you know, like that gun gets bigger every year. <laughs> so, Rabbi Sa- so Rabbi Isaacson said to Rabbi Saffer, he goes, Zechariah's gun is actually that big, you know? Rabbi said, you have to reach out to the Rashiva. You have to reach out to the Rashiva, and you have to say, Rebbe, I'm thinking about you. And, and if you were there when Avichai was Avbayit, you have to reach out to Avichai, even if he doesn't respond. You have to reach out and you have to say, Avichai, I'm thinking about you. And of gold, I'm thinking about you. You have to reach out to these people. Chayav. They don't have to respond, but you have to reach out. You think it doesn't mean anything? It means a tremendous amount. We're not alone in this. I, I felt, uh, I came to America, I landed, I landed Friday morning and then I, in JFK, and then I jumped over to Los Angeles. So when I landed in Los Angeles, I got a message from a friend of mine, is everything okay? I didn't know what was happening. I was on a plane. I said, what do you mean is everything okay? So he said, there was a siren just now over Beit Shemesh. There was a siren over Yushalayim. So I messaged my wife, even though it was already Shabbos, I messaged my wife, you know, for Matzai Shabbos, just tell me, is everything okay? So Matzai Shabbos, when I, you know, it's like Sunday morning in America, ready from Los Angeles. So Matzai Shabbos, Sunday morning, I spoke to my wife. It's hard, as a coevly, it's hard to be 7,500 miles away from your family when you hear that there was a rocket attack. And I'm on the phone with Mikey, you know, and he's, he's six years old, and I said, Mikey, where were you when the siren went off? So he, was, he said, I was outside playing. You know, the, all the little boys, they play outside on Friday night. So he said, I was outside playing. So I said, and what did you do when the siren went off? So he said, I ran inside to go to the Mahmad. And I, I didn't have my shoes on, so I left my shoes outside. I said, was anybody home? So he said, yeah, Hannah was home on the couch sleeping. So we went inside to the Mahmad together. And I'm speaking to another daughter. Where were you? I was in shul. What did people do in shul? They just, you know, kind of moved away from the windows. There wasn't time to get to a miklat. If you're far away from your family and something happens, so your heart starts to beat a little bit and you just want to know the details. Distance cannot be a cause for cognitive dissonance. Just because you're 6,000 miles away in New York doesn't mean that you can afford emotionally and in reality, you can't afford to be distant from those Jews in Eretz Yisrael. You can't afford it. If you're distant... If you feel like, yeah, it's happening on CNN. It's not happening on CNN, guys. This was our brothers. Achiv Mace. Achiv Mace. We're responsible for those brothers. They're our brothers. They're not our father's children. They're our brothers. There's a, dis- there's a difference. We're not just brothers because we happen to be born to the same parents. We're brothers because that's what we are in essence. And I just want to say thank you to all the guys that reached out and to all the guys that just wanted to check in and to all the guys that... You know, just me pam la pam, Rebbe, I just want you to know I'm thinking about the yeshiva and I hope you guys are doing well. And guys ask, how's it going in yeshiva? As well as it can be under the circumstances. And the guys are doing great, Baruch Hashem. And the guys have grown tremendously and what they've seen over the last eight, nine weeks has been unbelievable. But I just want to say thank you to those guys. It mattered a tremendous amount. If you reached out to your Rebbeim and you just a one-liner, I heard something happened, Rebbe, I want you to know I'm with you. It meant a tremendous amount. Shenizke, Rabbi say, we, we're, we're on the verge of Mashiach. We're on the verge. When I say verge, it's like at at. We're talking about, we're not even talking about minutes anymore. We're talking about moments away. There's a tremendous opportunity right now in Shemayim for us to join together. It's a tremendous opportunity. It doesn't matter what shirt you wear. It doesn't matter what yeshiva you go to. It doesn't matter 
You wear a yarmulke, don't wear a yarmulke. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Rabbi I'm telling you, you guys have to catch up to us. In Chutzl you have to catch up to us in Eretz Yisrael. In Eretz Yisrael, there's no more charedim, there's no more chilonim. There's a big hak, there's a big hak right now. They're like, okay, we have differences and we have to make sure that we maintain the dignity of those differences, but Lamaisa. Nobody's hacking anymore about democratic reform. I can always tell, I can always tell what's going on in the country based on the overpasses. You know, that's like Israeli politics. Like that overpass right before Mavasarit every morning. I'm like driving with Revizik, and I'm like, okay, what do we believe in today? You know, like the signs on the overpasses are, we're, we're going to win only with Achdus. That's the uh, those are the signs on the overpasses today. You guys have to catch up. You guys are behind us because it happened on our front lines. You guys are behind us. Bez Hashem, we should talk fast to come together. And if we come together, the Rabbanishim, if we treat each other like brothers, then Bez Hashem, the Rabbanishim will treat us like sons. We'll